evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Bethel Radio Hour, where Bible study and radio collide. Tonight in our segments, we will be discussing Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, building the Mount Rushmore of, the, oh, I didn't change it. What is it supposed to be? Building the Ten Mount Rushmore of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not. I did change it. Okay, whatever. And beginning our discussions on a God-centered country, or a biblically-founded country. I am Molly Kingston, your producer and fourth chair panelist. Joining me in first chair is Pastor Ben Kingston. Dad, what makes your day better? Can we give the Sunday school answer, Jesus? Amen. No. Oh, okay. Uh, Dairy Queen. Okay. (laughs) I'll take both answers. Jesus and then Dairy Queen. In In second chair is (laughs) Dr. Gavin Hooks. What makes your day better? A cup of coffee that I can drink slow and unrushed. I usually Mm. do that with the Lord and just take a slow, easy cup of coffee. Amen. Um, Finally, in our third chair is Ryan Mayberry. What makes your day better, Ryan? When I wake up and I'm not just completely stiff from the day before. That's a good day. Amen. Yeah, not, not sore. Good. I agree with Uncle Gavin. I said a large mocha frappe or an iced mocha from with extra That'd chocolate work. from McDonald's, obviously. Those in the audience, if you would like to share your own answer to this question, text the number on the screen, and I will share them throughout the show if I can. And this also applies to any other questions or topics or discussions we broach. As always, if you listen later online, please comment your answer on the Facebook post if there is one, and then like and share so others can join in on the fun. Random question. Are we recording tonight? We are recording. Okay, awesome. So can we give seasonal answers to that question? Because from the third week of April to the first week of May, it's a gobbling turkey in the morning. A, gob- a gobble call morning. also makes your oh, day better. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so our first segment is Ephesians five twenty-two through 33. So because we only have two more weeks of BRH left this year, we are trying to kind of rush the end. We're not going to rush it, rush it, but we're going to try to fit everything in the last two shows. So we're finishing up chapter 5 in Ephesians today. So, Milo, we need to give your email address so that people can send you the hate mail when we talk about this. But, Uh-oh. Uh, you know, I mean, this is, a, this is a hot, hot topic. The whole wives yeah, admitting. Right, and it's been that way for 20 years, maybe even since, like, 1960. But nonetheless... Uh, and, you know, number one, this is really not, as a general rule, a hot topic among well-discipled people. Well, therein is the problem. Uh, our churches have done, and I'm including Bethel, a very poor job of real good discipleship. So there's a lot of folks that they love God, and they try to live for God, but they know very little about the Word of God. And so they know very little about how God wants them to live their lives. That brings issues and problems. And especially in marriage, you've got, you know, husbands and wives in their fallen nature, and they're trying to get along, and it's tough. And this passage here is an extremely important passage to getting along. There's a fellow that has, I assume, made a lot of money on addressing this passage it's simply called love and respect and he boils it down to and he, including this passage that if the husband will love the wife as it is said here in this passage and the wife will respect the husband as it is said here in this passage you're going to have a much much better marriage and, and I certainly agree with that 
I think that to some level that can be an oversimplification, but it certainly is a great start. Uh, Dawn and I, of course, if you know my wife, uh, she is the most submissive woman that you're probably going to meet type thing, even in Christian circles. She's just a wonderful submissive person overall. Oh, hush. She's second to Grandma. Uh, Okay, sure. Second to Joanne. Amen. Joanne is a hologram, but nonetheless. Uh, mirage. A mirage. A mirage. A mirage. A mirage, that's right. And I'm kidding. She is. You've heard of, of women like that, but you've never really seen one. It's out there. Uh, unicorn. A unicorn. She's a unicorn. Yes, she is. She's an amazing woman. Well, before we start, because you started off with this discussion, I think the the main thing to to remember and keep your eye out for when you're reading this passage is to look at all the times it says that it's a reflection or a parallel to the relationship to Jesus. The, the first verse, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. So you're submitting yourself just as you submit unto the Lord. And then your husband is tasked with the with a impossible goal of loving you wife. as Christ loved as the church Christ sacrificially and unconditionally. So he's not just Pointing to the wives, like no, it's it's very much an equal thing, and it's right. again a parallel of your relationship with God. There's a couple of triangles in there. Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness, yes. And yep. and you know our world tries to make it a competition, and, yeah, our, right. and our world says essentially that this passage is placing one gender above the other. A- absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, it, it is hierarchy, but not from the standpoint of. Uh, inferiority or superiority it is for the sake of organization and you know for men to laud submission over women is an absolute refutation of what the depths of this passage means right because dude he's coming to you Mm -hmm. he's coming to you when there's issues and problems in the marriage uh because he expects you to take care of the needs of that wife to the point that it's no big deal to submit to a man that loves me like he does type thing. So, all that said, let's read the scripture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we jumped in there, didn't we? Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, <coughs> even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. And so, uh, what I always point out in marriages, uh, when I uh, solemnize them, that is uh, one word, officiate is another word, is essentially... There's like seven verses to the woman and like 12 or 13 to the man. And so, uh, you know, again, if you want to put onus on anybody, it is the man. Uh, But why does God do that? Because he wants, uh, and we see this here, one flesh. He wants oneness in the marriage. 
He, he wants both to feel 100% satisfied, fulfilled. He wants both of them to have their needs met and the such. Uh, he does not favor one gender, if you will, one side over the other. Comments before we just kind of try to take a quick dive? But in the working out of these, these commands, he's glorified. And, and there is a, an honorable life. There, there's a, a glorious life in the, the working out of these scriptures. So the, you know, come to Jesus moment for Dawn and I years and years ago now, because we, we, we tripped over this as well. I finally told her, you know, babe, we're trying to make this a lot harder than it is. The bottom line is, is that I know you and I know your heart for the Lord. You want to be right with him. And when you look at this passage, he, he, he's asking both the wife and the husband to do something. And instead of me trying to make her do her part and her trying to make me do my part, we would be best served to dive into what it means to do our own part and do that as best we can. And most likely it'll all settle out. And, you know, so I, I told her it, it, so the word submission means something. And it is your responsibility as one of his children to figure that out and do it, and, and vice versa. See, I came into marriage with a leg up. I had listened to country and western music all my life as a kid. So, I mean, I knew about everything there was to know about women, about marriage. Absolutely. You ought to go on the road, Gavin. Yes, seminars. Can't even keep a straight face with that. Uh, so th- this verse. Waylon Jennings approached it. <laughs> marriage, yeah. It's this verse runs direct opposite of a lot of popular music, a lot of country and western music, and the words obey and submit in the United States, unfortunately, have become curse words or yeah. things to be avoided. Vilify. Never want to submit to somebody, never want to obey somebody else, always question authority, that kind of attitude. But I'm convinced as I get older, the main part, the meat, if you will, of loving someone are contained in those two words. If you really want to make someone feel loved do what they ask you to do and do it enthusiastically it it will mean more and they'll perceive love more than you could if you had dreamed up a trip to hawaii um so it just has become my meat potatoes to say that if you want to love somebody obey their rules for loving them find out what they are and then obey them and a voluntary submission is honorable amen a forced submission is dishonoring to both. Right. Well, so a, a summary statement also that I say at, at marriages is if you, sir, will knock yourself out for her needs and you, ma'am, knock yourself out for his needs, yep. you guys are going to have a, a marriage to write seminars and books about. Uh, you know, that first verse, uh, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, is something you brought out. Uh, th- that that's where you put the onus. You don't put the onus on, I've got to do whatever he says. That, that's a misunderstanding of that passage. Uh, the Lord is asking you to submit to him, and then he's asking you to follow the husband's leadership. That even doesn't mean that you can't and shouldn't, and because you, you should, be involved in decision-making and the such, because a wise husband is going to include his wife you know, in these areas. Now, I believe all marriages, though, have a makeup that, that is their own. Mm. You know, my dad would surprise my mom about every eight years with a brand new car. Thrilled her every time. 
it wasn't very deep into my marriage, I knew that would not be a thrill. <laughs> <laughs> you did what? You know, and so uh, in, instead, she's thrilled when I say, hey, I'm thinking about making a purchase. What do you think? You know, and, and we go from there. And that's me honoring my wife. That's me meeting her needs where she's at. But she also says, yeah, you know, let's talk about it and such of that nature. Um, so, uh, and, and in some uh, marriages, the husband may look at the wife and say, I need you to go get you a new car. You know, and she'll, okay, <laughs> you know, she goes get a new car. So you, you've got to figure out between the Lord uh, and the such what that makeup looks like within your marriage, in my humble opinion. And I personally believe that the kind of the rubber meets the road here in the spiritual aspect, um, you, you know, and, and if you will, the, the, the big decisions where for, for whatever reason, <coughs> if there is some haziness uh, within the decision making, it, it could fall upon the husband to make the decision. And, and then at that point, the wife is going to have to say, yes, let, let's go this route and we'll, we'll see what God does type thing. Um, but, but no, this is not meant to be a club, but also it, it does mean something. And so the husband and wife have to pray that through. And, and, and I think this is an excellent area. If, if you don't know how to do word studies uh, in the Bible, this is an excellent area to start because mm. it will open it up. Rand, Ryan, do you got anything? Uh, I agree with everything you've said. And I also think starting in verse 26, it kind of gives uh, responsibility of leadership to the husband too. Uh, uh, obviously, responsibility to love too, but it says... Uh, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. She should be holy and without blemish. So that puts the onus on the man to know what is the right thing to do and to establish that standard within his family too. Amen. Well, in the other verse that says, live with her according to knowledge. You know, I mean, who knows us better than Jesus does? Mm. And he did exactly what we needed him to do. And, and that is the comparison. Just as Christ died for the church, we should give everything we have to our wives and our family. And so we have to be students of our wives. We have to be research, if you will, analysts of our wives and our family and know what they need. And then make sure that you bring that to bear. Now, we haven't done a forensic study here, but... I, you know, didn't know on a time level what we wanted to do. That, that, uh, verse 25 leaves, leaves us really without any excuse. Mm. How Christ suffered for the church or how he, he gave mm -hmm. himself for the church, there wasn't anything in reserve. There was nothing in reserve. He, he was humiliated. He was beaten. If you will, all his possessions were taken away from him. They gambled for his garment, whatever he owned. Everything was taken from him. Um, and then he died, I mean, ultimately. So... There's really no excuse in that verse for the man. Well, and I think, too, like, when we're looking at it as a parallel with our relationship as Jesus in marriage, the submission is in response to the man's leadership. Sure. So when the man leads and loves as Christ loves and leads the church, the woman is going to submit to the man because she recognizes leadership is worthy of that submission. So I think that's very important. And I was just thinking, too, like, the 
wives submit yourselves into your own husbands just really reminds me of the fall of man and the curse that was put upon Adam and Eve and the fact that the woman would fight against the authority of the man. And I watched a video recently that talked about how they believe the translation of that a woman should have pain in childbearing is not necessarily the pain of the actual bearing, of, like the labor. It is actually the way, like the relationship that brings about the child. So a woman is going to struggle with a relationship with a man, whether it's because she's fighting for authority or that there is pain in relationship and things like that. So it was a different way of looking at it. Like it's not, he wasn't referring to the physical pain of childbearing, but everything that comes with a relationship that brings along childbearing. There's something uh, that you mentioned there, Molly, that made me think if, if a woman doesn't have, doesn't feel like she has a man that she can respect and follow, the verse says, as, as unto Christ, and if you can imagine that Christ feels your respect for him while you give your respect to your husband, that, that's maybe a good way to think about it. And I can tell you, and any man that's got any sand at all, if you honor him and respect him, even when he doesn't deserve it, you, you put him in debt. He's now got to show that he's worth it. Mm. Uh, any guy that's worth his salt will feel like... I've got to. I've got to live up to that now. Mm. So she's looking to me to be a man and to provide, protect, whatever the case is. Be he incurs a debt with that respect. Right. right. He rises to the expectations. Right. And and I think that that what the the for me the end result here has to be that whether or not my spouse is doing what I need and want her to do, I must do the right thing. Amen. And and the reverse is true. You know. The wife can say, even though I need him to do this, no matter whether he does it or not, I've got to do the right thing because I'm doing this unto the Lord. Uh, and, and so, but one begets the other many, many times. Um, somebody has to start. Somebody has to start, right? Uh, and we're actually going through the uh, 10-week uh, marriage counseling, which is amazing stuff. It's about 10 years old, maybe even more, because I think, Ryan, you and Sarah were the first ones to go through uh, but um, with that said, uh, it, it is hitting this area as well. Uh, of course, the thought just flew out the head. But anyway, um, I mean, we're doing the me and Dawn are working with a couple on Monday nights. So uh, we're, we're listening to it. And it, essentially, they brought out that point as well, is that, you know, the strongest person needs to start in whichever they are. You know, if it's the wife, she needs to head out doing what she knows is the right thing to do and vice versa. And just to kind of harken back to what you said at the very beginning where the world looks at this whole thing of calling wives to submit, meaning that they are the lower class or inferior to the husbands, to remember that when Jesus or God, well, both of them were creating Adam and Eve, he looked at Adam and said, he needs a helpmate. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. only other time that they used the word helpmate, so he was referring to Eve, is when he referred to Jesus, and that Jesus is the helpmate. Mm -hmm. So he does not see women as inferior in any circumstance. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was extremely pro-woman in his time frame, and the Absolutely. Bible is extremely pro-woman, um, even though the world tries to tell you opposite, like with this versus evidence. You doubt the strength of a Christian woman, just get between her and her child. Right. <laughs> uh, amen. amen. 
and, and God absolutely uh, honors both roles mm-hmm. uh, t- to no end. Uh, and I do love that. That that, and it's not just a. Uh, I'm, I'm here to help. It's supernatural help. <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you have any last thoughts about this? These passages. The only other thing that, it, when it comes to the the role of women and quote unquote how God sees them, and it's <coughs> completely opposite of how the world accuses God of seeing women is. The fact that women were the first ones to the tomb when Jesus was resurrected. You know, we're just a couple weeks removed from Easter. And when you really dig into that, and it was John MacArthur that helped me do this years ago now, uh, it was scandalous for that to be included in the canon of God's Word because women weren't even allowed to be witnesses at a court proceeding because they were not trusted. Because they were so viewed, you know, far down. By man's law. By man's law. That's right. right. But God so elevated them that he had them be the first witness of his resurrection. And he didn't let any man change that when the Holy Spirit led them to write. Can you imagine, you know, uh, the the writer Luke or the writer Matthew going, Lord, come on now. (laughs) This this is going to be thrown in the dirt. No, do it. In the same in the same light, uh, one of the ten commandments, one of the big ten, honor thy father and thy mother. Amen. I mean, if God yeah. was right. emphasizing, left her out. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and move on to chapter six next week, and I have someone texted in that what makes their day better is when they can sleep in and or when their granddaughter comes over. She said, obviously not on the same day. Okay, so moving on to the Mount Rushmore of the Ten (coughs) Commandments. Anyone want to start us off on this one? Sure. Okay, go. All right, number four, meaning this is the least out of the four, in my humble opinion. But it's still nonetheless, of course, they're all important. All ten are are very important. Amen. This is the law that Paul is talking about when he says, the law is yours and my schoolmaster (coughs) to teach us that we need a Savior. Because there's no one on this earth that can keep these ten laws within the power of their flesh. And so it teaches us that we need the cross. So adultery, thou shalt not commit adultery. Number three, honor thy father and thy mother. Number two, murder. There, thou shalt not murder. Number one, no other gods. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Amen. I'll go next. I had three of the four are the same as yours. I... I mean, you can't really pick the four best of the Ten Commandments. Right. <laughs> so I pick kind of the four that are the most blatantly like the, the ignored. T- the three best organs of the body. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you got to have them all. I've kind of picked the four that seem the most blatantly ignored by a lot of Americans today. So number four is thou shalt not covet. You can see that in yep. the economic sphere. A yeah. lot of jealousy going on. Uh, number three, you should not commit adultery. Obviously, that one is ignored quite a bit, too. Kind of the breakdown mm-hmm. of the family. Uh, number two, honor your father and mother. There's a huge lack of honor for the uh, previous generation. And then the top one is you shall have no other gods before me, obviously. Look at there. Amen. I think, oh, no, wait, I only have one different than you. So I started <laughs> with you shall not murder. Um, and something I saw a clip from, oh, Jordan Peterson's 
Exodus uh, study recently talking, it was Prager, though, mentioning how a lot of people translate that as thou shalt not kill. And he's like, no, that's wrong. It is murder. There is such a thing as justified killing. Absolutely. Otherwise, he said, otherwise we'd be um, vegans and pacifists. So there is such a thing as justified killing, especially in war, and there's such a thing as justified killing as far as animals are concerned. Uh, then the third one is honor your mother and father because I was the only one with promise. Um, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Um, and I, again, I watch a lot of random videos, and this one talked about how they believe the translation for this one is more accurately not in your language. So typically when we think that, we're thinking curse words, especially ones that use the Lord's name in the curse. But they said it was more of you, when you claim to be a Christian, so you're taking the Lord's name as your own, as a Christian, and then you don't live according to his words, then you are taking his name in vain. So it has more to do with your lifestyle and livelihood and not your necessarily just your language. You're treating God in an empty manner mm. is, is how I've always... Mm. Using him as a tool for some other means That's right. a lot of the time. And that pretty much covers it all. Yeah. you know, Because I do believe that using the Lord's name... Oh, right, I think that's part of it right, for sure. A curse is, is vain. But, but absolutely, I also agree uh, that... Because I can see some Christians, well, I don't use God's name in vain. Right. But, you know, I don't like, go oh, to church either. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, and then the last one, you shall have no other gods before me. Uncle Kevin? So the Ray Comfort, I've been watching some of his videos lately, and he, he <coughs> when he's talking to somebody and he's basically exposing them that they are, they're sinners, just like he is. Right. And he always says, you're, you're a sinner just like me. You know, he does, says that over and over again. He, he says, well, you love your mom, don't you? And he's, he's got an Australian accent. You love, oh, your yeah. mo- you love your mom, don't you? And, and yeah, I love mom, my mom. He mom, probably mom. Yeah, so mom. said mom. And uh, they'll say, well, yeah. I said, well, you wouldn't want to take, use her name as a curse word, would you? Because you love her and you respect her. No. I said, well, that's the way, same way with God. If you yeah. use his name as a curse word, you know, God, God doesn't take that as love. It's his disrespect. So they, Ray converses that over and over again when he's on the campus. Right. He's the people. one that walked into a convenience store and they were all using God's name in vain, he said, oh, excuse me, is this a religious meeting? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently so, or not. Different kind of religion. So my first one, uh, number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I just think it's important to keep in mind that God didn't spend all of his time working. Mm. Um, And and rest and refreshment is built into his plan for things. Uh, That one almost made my list, too, because it it would have been the number five. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So uh, the concept that we need to spend some time in recreation is important. To refresh yourself, to get rested, um, to honor him on those days, that, that's important. Number, number three, honor thy father and the mother. Uh, again, uh, this one because it just points out that God it values both respect to the father and to the mother. Um, he mentions it specifically, you should honor your mother. Um, Proverbs has a lot of verses that talks about your mother's gracing you with her uh, teaching you how to behave in in, uh, in real life. Your mother, that's a that's an ornament that your mother's placing on you. Um, so there's a lot of honor that's given to the lady that a lot of people in today's culture doesn't want to uh, admit or, or, or look at. Thou shalt not steal. And again, this is just my political side. God, God private property is important to Amen. God. And there are two commandments that deal with private property. So uh, the yeah. shot shot at socialism there. Um, 
Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Uh, thou shalt ma not make any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven or above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. So, um, like, thou shalt not buy the, the, There's three or four verses dedicated to that one, and it's also the, the pillar of the core principle that I spent six years writing a book about. So um, that's number one. All right, very good. We can move on to our next segment, but before that, I had someone text in talking about the Ephesians passages again, um, and that how in the time of Christ, men were not to speak to women without their husbands or a family member around, yet Jesus did. So again, acknowledging that Jesus um, acknowledged and respected women even in his time of yeah. history. Mm. So our next topic, or it's the mystery topic, and Dad is the one leading that one tonight. Let's see here, mystery topic. All right, so uh, this may be a really short mystery topic. Uh, and I, Ryan has kind of set the example here that uh, a good mystery topic gets everybody involved. So I want to hear you guys' experience where in your life pursuit begat pursuit. In other words, uh, you didn't have a relationship with someone uh, but as you strived to pursue them, that, you know, they reciprocated. And before you knew it, you, you had a good relationship going. Or, or someone did that for you. That They pursued you, and then that brought you to the point that you reciprocated and, and, and went back. I, I have, in the last six months in this church, seen that play over and over and over as someone... Uh, whether it's for Sunday school, whether it's for Awana, whether it's for just church, uh, family member, I mean, fill in the blank. But when someone starts pursuing someone, uh, that usually brings good fruit. Pursuing someone in what context? Uh, well, for the sake of Christ, uh, as a neighbor, as a whatever. <clears throat> for the gospel. I'm, yeah, okay, yeah. I, I'm trying well, to make this a no, relationship thing. Yeah, that's well, what like, I'm... So like, Initially, it, it what doesn't popped have into to my be head was limited to, uh, you know, gospel. You follow what I'm saying? Got it. So, so it's just when a relationship was pursued. Pursuit beget pursuit. Give me an example of that. Well, I know, like when um, the underdowns first started coming, and they came over to our house, and you were talking to them about joining and everything like that. Um, I. In my head, I was like, I think I could be friends with Gabby, but I didn't feel like I had the time or the space in my life for another friend, so I just kind of let it fall on the wayside or whatever. Years literally passed, and then I just kind of said, because I told you one time, I was like, I feel like we could be great friends, but I don't have time for more friends. <laughs> And I told her that, and and that kind I'm of I'm sure started, that blessed her. It really did. She was she was like I've, I Sorry, felt the I same. Sorry, I just don't have time for you today. Right? Yeah. I don't. I, well, the thing is, is she agreed. I mean, she has four young children. And she I'll doesn't have a lot in. of time, exactly. But that because we were honest with each other, and the fact that we both believed we could have a relationship, but weren't sure how to start one and fit one in, and we we've been able to do that because we've allowed each other. You know those to breaks. You know, like well, it's not something. And I like that because, you know, it's almost through the back door. You mm. you, you acknowledge that I really believe. We <laughs> right. Be you say the silent part out loud. Time. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Amen. 
Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of a, a circumstances, and it seems like my friends come through you at, by the most part. So Brad and I are really good friends, basically through your your introducing us. Uh, it's like a friend of a friend situation, right? right like, yeah. yeah, and and it's been almost activities that we've pursued together that have spun off friendships right. for me. Right. Um, Chad Linval, yes. is a friend of mine, I consider him a good friend of mine now. Spin off of of going to the Boundary Waters. Every man uh, in here would love Chad Linval. I'm telling you, a fine guy. Fine guy. Uh, weird as all get out. Very funny. But, but yeah, single, 58 years old, single, the most eligible bachelor on the planet. In Arkansas, for sure. Yeah. Now, he yeah. did tell me, I talked to him just last night, he's got a girlfriend. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, he's oh. fixing to be taken off the list, I'm afraid. The but last. The, the, and this girl must be the most amazing woman ever be. because he, he's got wow. standards, boy. Wow. wow. You go, Chad. Wish you the best. Uh, so, so uh, and I, I get to... And again, maybe it's church, maybe it's you, or a combination of both. But I, whenever I get involved in something, I, I so Al Morocco and I yeah. have, have forged friendships again through the Maple thing. So uh, I guess it's activities and and uh, people that you have brought through my life that I think I have closer friendships with them than I do with anybody else. And yeah, so it's a exposure's huge. You, you've got yeah. to get yourself out there. You, you've got to expose yourself to opportunities uh, to people and, and and if like i said you know if you'll just hey man uh, well for instance I, i've told you guys uh was it three weeks ago uh, when i was bringing dawn home uh cj at uh restaurant depot he's got a i thought a food truck i i've come to realize that i misunderstood that but i got a call from him monday and we talked for an hour um and uh it, it's we're, we're, you know, pursuit begets pursuit, you know. Uh, I We exchanged numbers there on that day, and um, I told him, because he, he is uh, not the same skin color that I am, and I told him, though, that, that I am a safe person and would love to, you know, get to know him at any level that he's willing to. Well, he took the next step and called me. He said, man, you've been on my mind all day today. And uh, we, we just sat there and talked about stuff, you know, for 45 minutes. And, and he asked about Dawn and such of that nature. And, you know, you you really want to uh, endear yourself to someone, care about the people they care about, you know. Right. I've had multiple. Uh, I've got somebody on my mind throughout most of the day, I guess, sometimes. Uh, a couple of them, Tyler Gregory, have been spending some time yeah. with him lately, you know, iron sharpening iron type of thing. That's right. Uh, Brad Banderman, he he invested in me first, and then I was able to reciprocate, and we're good friends. Uh, I had a good buddy of mine from work, Matt Schmidt. He uh, start he worked for the, our company a long time ago, and then had a rough patch he was going through. And then once he started kind of coming out of that, he came back to work here, and it was the boss said we were going to hit it off good, and we very much did. We've uh, been able to both mentor each other quite a bit. We've had really good days and days that. Our veins were popping out of our heads, mad at each other, but it's all been, it's all worked out in the end, and he doesn't work at the same company anymore. He went off on his own, but we still stay in contact and, you know, need to go do lunch type of thing. So I've had a lot of friends like that throughout my life. I had a guy uh, just yesterday spent lunch with him, and it's been probably two years. And when we would run into each other, we said, man, we got to do lunch again, you know. So finally he called and said, uh, 
are you open at lunch? This is like 11 o'clock. And I said, sure, you know. And uh, we sat down for an hour and a half and just caught up and, and talked and such. If I said his name, most people in here would know him. Um, but uh, it, it, pursuit begets pursuit. And uh, you, you've got to do your part. And then when someone pursues you, you you've got to reciprocate, you know. Um, so there you go. Good. I was also thinking, though, that sometimes pursuit begats escape, meaning I want to run away. Sometimes the pursuit can be scary. Yeah, yeah. You, you got to pray through, you know, and, and, and you're not always, you know, you said this, you just didn't feel like I always hold my hands up and I see them as gears. And sometimes we don't have open gears mm. and the such. Uh, now, as a pastor, you don't really have permission to not have an open gear when you know when a new person comes in but uh, and then we've talked about this as a church wise is a church body that tries to always leave at least one gear open so that a new family can fit in there and the such now the the wisest church gets the new people together because they've got open gears you know they're looking for friendships they're looking for pursuit and the such and well, similarities will bring you together too. Yeah, similar absolutely. similar life stages, similar yeah. interests. Yeah, you make similar, room. Yeah, yeah. And if you're interested in something new new, uh, what you know, one point we were both interested in maple syrup, Al was the guy who had all the knowledge. So right. we we rekindled our friendship with him. Um, and you know, any kind of interest you have, I think curiosity is a good thing. It's a good motivator for you to get out there and and explore things. Meet new people. Meet people who are further along in the, in the path than you are. It's a great right. friendship starter. All right. Very good. Mystery topic. Um, next is our break, and it's a, I'm just saying. I I didn't really make a good one for this one, so Let's I'm going to have – So, okay. Well, this is political. I'm just Whoa. saying. <laughs> Boom. The Department of Education is a waste of money. And I'm saying you're right. Amen. We won't get much argument here. We support public school. We want to say that. Support our teachers, but. I don't know. I, I don't okay. even know if you I support know. Public I'm, a, I'm a, a teacher, teacher, and I, well, I'm, I'm not saying I support her. You support Whatever. your mom, not so much the establishment exactly. she works for. Exactly. <laughs> oh, we, hey, we can't. What? Sorry. <laughs> we got, we got to. Motion alert on one of the cameras. I got an amen from the crowd, so look at We've got here. a situation going on over here. All right, who's next? Uh, I'm just saying uh, springtime and dirt-covered hands just go hand in hand. Like it. Yeah, I got other stuff on my hands all year long. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm just, again, I've just been so uh, shocked by how fast time is going. I mean, we're here we are at the end of April in 2023, um, and I just was looking up quotes on Time, and this is from William Penn, time is what you want the most, but what we use the worst. Uh, sometimes yeah. we just don't prioritize ourselves. Uh, well, I think uh, the passing of a, a loved one that's close to us often gives us a check. We, we only have so much time. Mm-hmm. You better prioritize yourself, get the stuff that's important done first. And is it bad? I mean, are you guys like this? The older I get, when I see someone older than me, I go, ooh. You almost checking out. <laughs> yes, that's bad. I tried yes, not to yeah, that's like bad. That's gotta be bad. <laughs> uh, I, uh, oh, it's terrible. And of course, you know that reflects worse on me because I'm like, I ain't too far from where they're at. You know, I'm almost uh, checking it, it, out. I'm the age. The way that, I felt today. It's going to be soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm the age today. What they were when I met them. So yeah. <laughs> so 
I'm right behind you, bro. I, I decided it would be a good time to shave all the cables that come off of my ear. And I just oh, almost man. did a Peter thing, cut my and ear cut your off. Own ear off. It bled for an hour. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I'm getting old. You just need to leave them, accept them for hey, what well, they are. Hey, it was Dawn that said, you need to cut those off. So there you go. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the question's going to come from me, but why does hair grow everywhere except, except on the top of your head? <laughs> outside the ears, outside the nose. It's three times the diameter that it used to be. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, so Ryan. anyway, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Say uh, this right. I couldn't hardly think of anything. But so on the, on the way here, I was you know running through my head all the stuff that happened in the day, all the stuff that I needed to get done, all the things coming up. And trying to think of my, I'm just saying at the same time, and it just popped in my head, life is fun. I'm just saying life is fun. There's so much going on, so much Amen. goofy stories. It's, it's just fun. Get involved. Mm-hmm. Get involved. And it's good to remind yourself of that yeah. while you're also thinking of all the minutia that we're running through. It's become one of my favorite uh, words. Okay. Uh, I have, have a lot of text coming through, That's but it. I don't know. Okay. One of them is just, it was from mine. I have an education degree I will never be paid to use. Oh, the fun stuff. And then I am 70, and it worries me more that I have family members that died, and they're not even half my age. Yeah. So, again, talking yeah. about, but life is fun. Yes. <laughs> That's what I was like. I don't, <laughs> and on such a live, good soon note. It will pass. Only what's done for Christ. Yeah, but easy. also eternity is going to be so much better. Yeah, no, as no. long as you made the right decision on heaven, eternity if, is going to be yeah. so much better. And if you're living and in, in following the Lord, there's nothing to regret. That's right. There's nothing to regret. Right. And, and you've got to learn to laugh at yourself. You know, it, it, it's, it's okay. And for some of us, there's a lot to laugh there's at. A lot yeah. There's a lot to laugh Okay, so we're supposed to cover, I don't know, five, six chapters of this precarious moment. Um, This, So we're starting a new section. Uh, It is, uh, let me read it so I don't mess it up. The, uh, sorry, give me a second. You said 51, but I had actually started at 52, but whatever you want to do. Well, it was just section five. A biblically founded nation is the section that we are started. And the goal of this section is to understand with historical accuracy the distinct Judeo-Christian foundation of America and discover ways to return to our biblical underpinnings. So one thing that I noticed when we went through this in our 530 time, uh, you know, these words were well thought out. This book was well thought out. Uh, In chapter 49... It says there is the title, A Nation Founded on Judeo-Christian Values. I have wrongly stated that we were founded as a Christian nation. You really can't back that up as well as you can that, no, we were founded on Judeo-Christian values. Yeah, and they so really, I think I was fighting the wrong battle. Right, and they really fleshed that out yeah, right. in the later chapter right. talking about how a lot of people... Um, said that, yeah, no, we are not a Judeo-Christian nation because we say that you can only be a Christian to live here because it is the only religion practiced. No, we say we are a Judeo-Christian because uh, most of our laws and values are founded in the Bible. From Scripture. scripture. In fact, our whole government (coughs) is based upon the the foundations of God's Word, three branches of government, you know, the triune Godhead. Such of that nature. And that's kind of, too, where the whole, it's misused a lot, but the separation of church and state, that's what it really means, is that the 
the state can't establish one religion for the country. It it obviously doesn't mean... was never intended that the The church... The federal government can. Yeah, correct. The state could Mm. say that they had an official religion, but they couldn't discriminate against others. Maryland was officially a Catholic, was their their denomination, but they couldn't discriminate from other other religions. Right. Um, It starts off with saying that the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. Um, and so that's just, and, it, and the next few chapters are just evidence after evidence of, of the fact that we were founded on Judeo-Christian values and the fact that most of our founding fathers were Christians. They mentioned how they, most of the time when you, when they talk about the founding fathers and this point, they point out Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson, which were the two outliers but they want you to believe that they were like the leading people and that most people agreed with them as far as religion went where that's not that's not true at all right. most everyone else in both the people who wrote the independent declaration of independence and founded the nation as and the constitution were christian so much so that uh many of the foundations that they started are still in work today the Bible foundations that they started and the such, uh, these were wealthy men, and they left their wealth uh, to impact the kingdom of God uh, through giving Bibles and things of that nature. Uh, th- th- there is no biblical support, I'm sorry, uh, no empirical evidential support that I know of to back up the whole idea that 90-some-odd percent of our founding fathers were you know, deists, and, you know, they believed in any, any and everything else except Christianity. In fact, the, the opposite is true. But, but you know, again, these folks that have been fighting this for the last, you know, 40 to 80 years, they've accepted uh, the Hitler-like uh, montage that it, even if it's a lie, if you repeat it often enough, people will believe it. Right. And, you know, I, I can remember... The moment that I heard this in social studies, that you know, 95% of all of our founding fathers believed anything but Christianity, and, and my head snapped up, and I'm like, "Well, that, that ain't what I've always heard," you know. Uh, but I just, okay, you know, t- took it. I mean, I'm at school, you know, that I, I can trust these people. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so, all that said, uh, when I started getting into David Barton uh, and wall builders and such. Lord help, I was lied to. Mm. Absolutely lied to. Right. So the, uh, David Barton's a great resource. Just going to do a quick plug for David Barton yeah. and Bill Federer, another really good resource. He does the American Minute. You can have an email sent to you once a week from Bill Federer if you, if you sign up for it for free. Um, a quote from a founding father or a political leader that uh, shows you that we, we have a Christian basis as a nation or we're we're founded on Christian principles. So one of the things that I really enjoyed about what I read is that, again, the key is in our Constitution, you have religious, religious freedom. You have freedom to worship as you choose. That was the reason that the pilgrims came over. Uh, they came over so that they could choose to worship God as they chose. They weren't allowed to do that in any other country type thing. And so they came and established the great nation that we have now for that purpose. And 
you can still see that in the Constitution and in our government today. We don't, you can't, you can't legally force Christianity on anyone, but everyone should still have the constitutional right to pursue God on whatever level a person wants to. And, and to me, and as I, I think it was chapter 52, maybe 53, as I got into it, I saw again a support of this, if you will, belief, because there is a, a, a large movement within Christianity in the United States of America to remove denominational lines. And even though we can sit here in our Pollyanna thinking and think, well, yeah, that, that would be tremendous. Who gets to decide, though, where the ultimate doctrinal lines are going to be drawn? You know, everybody wants to say, well, you know, all these denominations, that's not what God intended and, and all this. And we all ought to get along and we all ought to. Well, I agree with you. We all ought to get along. But sooner or later, you've got to say we all ought to believe the same things about what the Bible says. Got to unite under something, and who's that, going to decide what that is? That, that's right. Who gets to decide that? Well, this is the reality of it. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Mm. You know, if you got a hundred or more people, you got a hundred or more opinions. Right. And so, you know, sooner or later, you start divvying up among those folks, and you find twenty here that agree and ten here that agree, and guess what? You got Baptist, you got Presbyterian, you got you know, and all that. It's okay. Draw your denominational lines as long as there's a gate in each fence, and the gate's name is Jesus. And and I saw that as I was studying this is that that was the ultimate goal and dream, if you will, is that all of these faiths would have freedom to worship God as they so chose, as long as they, if you will, respected everyone every, everyone else's Which is a tenet of, tenet of all Christianity, right. love, love each other, yeah. The founders used a phrase over and over again in their writings and in some of their official doctrines, doctrines uh, so that men can worship God and serve him according to the dictates of their own conscience. That phrase is written over and Amen. over again in our founding papers. The dictates of his own conscience. Yeah. Tom, I had to make sure. I thought you were Dale Carroll at first. <laughs> Ooh. Is Dale in here? Oh, Dale's not in here. I'll have to call him and tell him. Si, senor. That's right. All right. That, that's what I got. I'll say, I, I know that's great. I, I only read the first few chapters, but it just gave, um, and I know like if you guys in the audience listening, if you haven't bought this book, you really should. It's it a just great has, reference. It, yes, a lot of reference. And it, it gives example after example, like we talked about how most of the time people point out Benjamin Franklin or Thomas Jefferson, um, but they give quote after quote from people yep. like Franklin Roosevelt. Of course, he's not a founding father, That's, but he's a prominent president. Yeah. Um, president Lyndon B. Johnson, and then Teddy Roosevelt, Andrew Jackson, who said the Bible is the rock on which our republic rests. You have Patrick Henry. Um, it's the book, the Bible is the book worth more than all the other books that were ever penned. Benjamin Rush was a signer of the Declaration. He talked about the Bible contains more knowledge necessary to man in his present state than any other book in the world. Um, John Quincy Adams and John Jay, who was original Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, and I really appreciated how they. So, like that was, that was what the um, experts believe, and so they're showing you that no, like the experts are just telling you the lie over and over again, so you believe it. But truly, we had a lot of Christians in or, the beginning of our nation, and go his, ahead. His trademark is to let the founders and leaders of our nation 
tell speak. you in their own words, right. speak in their own words. Yeah, and his and original tent, intent is an excellent resource also to augment this. Right, and, and like he does. He gives example after example. And then he also breaks down like the state constitutions, how in um, oh, jo- no, Delaware's 1776 constitution says, every person who shall be chosen as a member of either house or appointed to any office or place of trust shall make and subscribe the following declaration to wit, I blank do profess faith in God the Father and in Jesus Christ his only Son and the Holy Ghost, one God, blessed forevermore, and I do acknowledge that the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament may be given by divine inspiration. And then they give other examples. There's something very similar to that from Massachusetts. Um, But then he also breaks down how each, like you said, the whole government, so each branch has said, um, like, the, there's evidence of us being a Christian nation from the executive branch, the judicial branch, and the legislative branch, and he gives multiple examples of all that. So this is an extremely amazing resource for the evidence that you need to know that we were founded as a Christian nation or on the biblical On Judeo-Christian. Uh, yeah. yeah, amen. Um, so just just for... Folks that may have come midway into the, you know, situation here, this is a book called "This Precarious Moment: Six Urgent Steps That Will Save You, Your Family, and Our Country" by James Garlow and David Barton. And the six steps are racial healing, immigration, Israel, millennials, a biblically founded nation, and let the church be the church. And so, uh, we do highly recommend this. It will lovingly challenge you. And it will give you all sorts of resources to help you in your daily, you know, battle against the culture of our nation. Ryan, do you have anything to add to anything we've said? Nope. Okay, I just want to make sure. A um, quick, uh, quick study of the preambles of all the states yeah. would be an eye-opening experience for you, too. This is a Missouri preamble. The preamble of the Missouri Constitution states, We, the people of Missouri, with profound reverence for the supreme ruler of the universe mm-hmm. and grateful for his goodness, do establish this Constitution for the better government of the state. Almost every preamble mentions God. God, yeah, yeah. Um, next week we will try to cover the last section, which is let the church be the church. It's a lot of stuff again, but hopefully we'll get through it. Dad, do you have a word of wisdom for us tonight? I do. That which we think satisfies is not that which truly satisfies. Brother Jesse Thomas, he was a professor at Central Baptist College. So Dairy Amen. Queen doesn't really satisfy. <laughs> Oh, it's the crash well, that kills you. Take more time to discuss that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you guys for joining us tonight. Invite your friends, neighbors, and relatives next week and share the word on your socials. Good night and God bless. Thanks, everybody.